uh, we are transitioning now. We're going to start a brand new series here, Summer in the Psalms, and looking at different psalms. There's 150 psalms, and we have 10 weeks. So are you ready? I'm joking. We're not going to do all the psalms. So uh, <laughs> we're going to do like one a week to kind of look at. And tonight we're looking at Psalm 1. So if you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn to that. Or if you have uh, the Version digital Bible on your phone, you could turn to that. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I want to tell you kind of a story. When I was uh, young, <laughs> younger, and uh, newly married, uh, Amy and I were on staff at a church in Colorado. And uh, we had moved from Tucson to Colorado, gone there for about three years. And we did a family camp, which is like the whole family comes out. We're in Estes Park, Colorado. Anyone ever been to Estes Park, Colorado? It is part of God's beautiful country. It's amazing uh, up there, and we were going for a hike around Bear Lake, and so we were at the campsite, and they shuttled us up to Bear Lake, and we were hiking around there and kind of enjoying life a little bit, and then we were going to take the shuttles back to the campsite, but the shuttles were kind of full, and uh, Amy and I were there, and we're like, hey, we're young, it's only like a couple miles to the campsite. We should hoof it. And so off we went um, down the trail. We thought that we were on the right trail. We got to a fork and kind of took another trail. And we were there. And we were like, okay, listen, it's just down this hillside, like a couple miles. And so we were hiking, going along, having a great time. And we uh, were, were going in about an hour. And then we realized we've been hiking for about an hour. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and... I said, <laughs> okay, and we kept hiking a little bit further and uh, realized we weren't near, the, like I hadn't seen our tent yet or the campsite or any vehicles that I had known. In fact, I didn't see any vehicles. We were kind of in there. We were just out hiking. It was about an hour and a half later. We looked at each other, and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, so eventually, we finally made our way there about three and a half hours later. I guess it wasn't a couple miles. And actually, we'd gotten on the kind of the wrong trail and then found a way back to the road and got to the right place and finally wound up there. And here's what I learned. Newly married, I learned two important things. One is Amy is amazing and very forgiving. I'm grateful for that. The second one is I learned the principle of the path. And that's what I want us to lean into tonight because Psalm 1 really is introducing the principle of the path. Here's what the principle of the path is. If you get on the right path, it will take you to where you want to go. If you get on a wrong path, it will take you anywhere but where you really want to go. That's the principle here. And the psalmist is beginning to help unpack that at the very beginning of this book, the book of Psalms. And so as you look into this psalm series, it's an amazing thing. This is an incredible treasure that is for us. It's in the middle of your Bible. If you open up your Bible kind of to the middle, you're going to find psalms. It's 150 chapters. It's a big book of the Bible that's actually made up of about five different collections of books that people have put together, collected, and preserved for us to know. And the beauty of the Psalms is really kind of laying out, here's who God is, here's what he's like, here's his heart, here's his intention, here's his wisdom. And the psalmist is a collection of a bunch of hymns and praise choruses, a bunch of wisdom writing, some poems that are all put together in this collection that we might know God better and to know him more deeply. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this, the more deeply we grow into the Psalms and the more often we pray them as our own, 
the more simple and rich will our prayer become. There's something about this book of Psalms that is so enriching in your life. And I want to encourage you as we kind of go on this journey this summer uh, to read along with us. Remember, we kind of laid out this challenge. Here's a bookmark. We put them on all the communion tables today. They're out at the Next Steps table as well. Um, This is how you can read through the Psalms with us. I know that's a challenge. But we said in January that we were issuing a challenge this summer for us, that's you, raise your hand if you're you, okay, that's you and me, to read through the book of Psalms this summer. And not only to read through it in the month of June, but to double up and then reread it in the month of July. Yeah, we did that. Um, So here's the challenge, here's what that means. It's about five chapters a day, or five Psalms a day, okay? Here's the beauty. We are in day two, and some of you are already behind, but it's okay, because these psalms are really short at the beginning. So I want to encourage you to catch up with us. You'll be through Psalm 10 today. Now, Psalm 119 is really long. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. You only have to read two psalms that day. Ooh, okay, that's exciting. So I want to encourage you to read along with us because I think this is going to be really beneficial to you. Some people think, okay, who's, who authored the psalms? Well, did, did King David do all the psalms? Well, no, he didn't do all of them. He actually did a lot of them. He did 73 of them. Solomon has a couple, Korah and Asaph, who were leaders in the temple. They did a few. The anonymous is about 48. Moses wrote a psalm that's recorded here, Psalm 90, in case you're keeping track that you can look through the Psalms and begin to see all the kind of different rhythms that you see. You're going to find hymns and praise, choruses that are there. You're going to find Psalms that are penitential, this idea of confession-like Psalms. You're going to find wisdom Psalms. That's actually what we're looking at tonight, Psalm 1. It's a wisdom Psalm. There's messianic Psalms that talk about Jesus and kind of the declaration of who the Messiah is and what he's going to be like. There's imprecatory Psalms, which are kind of tough Psalms. Because there are psalms where the psalmist is writing, God smite these people. Anyone ever had that inclination in your own heart? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I'm sure you have. Uh, And the reality is, what do you do with that? Well, there's a few of those in here where the psalmist is recording and saying, God, we need you to act. There's the psalm of ascents, which is Psalm 120 through 134. Most scholars believe that those were the psalms that the, the Israelite people would recite as they made their way in a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem every year. That there was some scholars who believe that there was 15 steps of the temple and they would recite one at each particular step. We don't fully know if that's true, but it sounds good. There's acrostic psalms if you like crossword puzzles or you like the alphabet, acrostic psalms are just one letter of the Hebrew alphabet starting a new line each one. And there's several of those. And so psalms is an incredible introduction and collection of material that helps us understand of the scriptures that help us see God for who he really is and maybe have a clearer picture. How many of you think in pictures? You're gonna love the Psalms. How many of you are engineers and you don't think in pictures? This may be a challenge, but you could do it. Because I, I believe this book has some incredible wisdom and insight for us. And so in Psalm 1, the psalmist is writing a wisdom psalm. Now, what you have to understand about a wisdom psalm is wisdom literature is usually written in a contrasting measure, meaning it's contrasting one way versus another way. 
So the principle of the path that I learned, if you take the right path, it will take you where you want to go. If you take the wrong path, it's going to take you anywhere but where you really want to go. And so as you keep that in mind, as you listen to this psalm, I want to read it in a couple different translations just because it's uh, just six verses long. And I want you to hear how this records and listen to the contrast that the psalmist is trying to say as he sets up this entire collection of the book of Psalms. In this contrasting nature, here's what he says in the New Living Translation. He says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with a sinner, or join in with a scoffer. But they delight in doing everything the Lord wants. Day and night they think about his law. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season without fail. Their leaves never, never wither, and in all they do they prosper. But this is not true of the wicked. They are like worse, worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. And so the psalmist is recording this wisdom psalm contrasting two ways, two paths, if you will. He's saying here's here's a way that you want to go, and you want to choose wisely on how you pursue and go after that. Here's what the message says. It's a translation or kind of a uh, a paraphrase of the scriptures. Here's what Eugene Peterson writes. I kind of like how he words it this way. How well God must like you. You don't hang around at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Row. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on his scripture day and night. You are like a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You're not at all like the wicked, who were mere wind-blown dust, without defense in court, unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take, but the road they take is skid row. So this wisdom psalm is kind of putting out a principle of the path, if you will. If you choose the right path, it'll take you where you want to go. If you choose a different path, it will take you anywhere but where you really want to go. So the psalmist is is putting this out in front of us and trying to say, hey, it's important what you choose. It will set up the rest of the book of Psalms. It will begin to put, you'll see this contrast all throughout the book of Psalms. Blessed is the person, or happy is the person. Not just blessed that God blesses, but happy is the person living, is what they're saying. Joyful is this person, the psalmist is saying. How very happy is the man, or very happy is the woman, who does not hang around in the advice of the wicked, or the ways of the world, if you will, but they look to the ways of God. They look to connect with him. The author of the psalmist intends to show that the person who devotes himself to living godly in a righteous kind of life, who lives in God's direction and his inclination with God on his radar, they are the blessed ones. They're the ones that are happy. The ones who don't, who disregard God, who turn their back on him, who don't keep him in the the forefront of their mind, they are the ones who are miserable. 
is what the psalmist is putting out. The world attempts to portray it the other way. That, well, you just kind of throw off God, throw off his rules, if you will, and then you'll actually find real life and you'll be happy. But here's what I've come to find. That may be what you feel is true at times. But here's what I've discovered. The older I'm getting, the more people I hang around with who have no regard for God, I don't know if they would describe their life as anything but empty or hollow, maybe even miserable in some ways, longing and searching for something that they have not found yet. And so there is this pull that goes on. The NIV kind of translates the first verse this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, who does not walk in step with What do you do when you walk alongside with someone? You're walking in step with someone, right? Who does not walk in step with those who are trying to give worldly advice and have nothing to do with God's truth or his intentions, but just want to give advice? Blessed are you who do not stand around and just try to model your behavior after someone else. Blessed are you who do not just sit and take up residence and hang out with people who have no regard for God. Did you notice the progression? Walking, standing, sitting. How many of you enjoy your couch? What do you do on your couch? You sit, right? You're comfortable. You take up residence on your couch. Some of you too much, but you take up residence on your couch, right? And this idea of not just walking or or standing around lingering, loitering, if you will, but actually sitting. And the psalmist is saying, listen, blessed are you, happy are you if you don't make that the pattern of life. Instead, you have a different pattern in life. He says it this way, but instead your delight is in the law of the Lord and you meditate on his law day and night, you are a person who becomes like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf never withers. Whatever you do prospers. You meditate on the word of God. What is that? Well, for a Jewish hearer back in the first century, and back in in that time period, what they would have understood is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what they would have had. But what we understand, to meditate on the word of God, is the scripture that's been given to us that would make this a part of how we do life, that we engage. Why? Because in here we get to see what God's really like. This is his love letter, if you will, to us to help us know what he's like, his intentions, his heartbeat, what matters to him, that you would meditate on it. The Hebrew word for meditate is this idea of to mull over or to coo, to mutter or to murmur, to rehearse over and over again. How many of you have ever been in a play before? If you've ever been in a play or maybe a musician that you had to learn the music by memory, what do you do to do that? Well, you rehearse it over and over again. That's why the scriptures say, hide this word in your heart. Keep it close to you. 
because it will give you the advice and the wisdom that you need so you don't have to listen as you walk along the road to the advice of everyone around you who's just giving you worldly advice who may have some truth and insight to it but in a lot of ways deviates from what God desires best for you. That you don't get caught up sitting or standing but that you meditate, mull over, lean into these scriptures. It's important for you to spend time in God's word. That's why we're challenging you to read. How long will it take you to read five chapters a day in Psalms? About eight and a half minutes, okay? Unless it's Psalm 119, then it's gonna take a little bit longer. But you're building up to that anyway. It will take some time. It will take some investment. But I promise you, if you will challenge yourself to do it, at the end of the summer, you will be the one who benefits. And I know some of you will say, well, that's, uh, I don't know if that's really true. Well, then let's make a bet on it. I'll take you out for a shake. I can't afford a steak, but I'll afford a shake. If you can come and tell me, hey, I read through Psalms all of June and all of July, and it meant nothing to me. I'll take you out, and you and I can have a chat. Sound good? Chocolate shakes are better than the vanilla. Let's just be honest, okay? So we'll go have that. Meditate on the scriptures, what the psalmist is saying. Meditate on that. How many of you love to barbecue? To meditate is this idea of to saturate, to marinate your mind on these scriptures. If you love to barbecue, you understand that. It's what you do to uh, the ribs or the chicken or the steak or if you're vegetarian to uh, your broccoli. I don't know. (laughs) Asparagus, you can grill that, I guess. Um, But, so you marinate, right? And you're wanting those spices and those juices that rub to get into your meat to affect it. That's what the psalmist is saying. That you marinate your mind on God's scripture and that you lean into him and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart and on your life. That Hebrews chapter four says this word is alive and active that there's something God does as we spend time with him in his word. That it's something that he's active with us to chew on this. One uh, of the scriptures says here that to chew on God's word in a way. Do you know cows have four stomachs? That's weird if you didn't know that. But they have four stomachs. They chew their food, they actually swallow it, and then they regurgitate it up again, and they chew their cud. And that's weird, and you drink their milk. <laughs> okay, so like, what happens is they, you, you, you eat, what, okay, you're drinking what they have chewed like two or three different times. Why? Because that's how they have to break it down. That's exactly what the psalmist is saying. You chew on these words. You kind of let them marinate your mind. You, you lean into them. And as you do, you are going to be the one who's refreshed. You're going to become like this tree that's planted by the riverbanks. Now, in Tucson, this means nothing, okay? Because we have washes here, or wash if you're from the East Coast or Midwest, uh, who ha- they, have, they have sand in them, okay? But like when I moved out here from Pennsylvania, like we had these things called rivers that actually had water in them all the time. Like they didn't dry up, it was amazing. Google it. Um, But that's what the psalmist is saying. You're going to become like this tree that's planted by this riverbank, has this constant source of nutrition and health and help. 
that you're gonna become this tree that is, has strength and stability, that its root system can get saturated with what it needs and it becomes fruitful. In fact, fruitful all the time. It never withers. See, we pick up, how many of you have trees in your yard that you pick up every few months, everything that they drop, right? A leaf that does not wither, think about that. Like you never have to rake again. That's amazing. That's an awesome kind of tree. A tree that provides incredible shade. You all are going into the hunting season here in Tucson, did you know that? It's when you're driving around town and you're hunting for the shade position. It's where you circle the parking lot three or four times waiting for the person to come out of the store to give up the shade position that they have. At Costco, this does not exist. It's really sad. But you will hunt for that. Think about becoming this kind of person. What would it be like if the people that bump into you in life are bumping into a person that is strong and stable that a person who's nourished and has fruit of life to give. What's the fruit of the Spirit that we know? Galatians chapter five. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? What if we actually became known for that? What if the church, you, because you're the church, me, I'm the church, What if we actually became known as people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? I'm not convinced we're known for that. But I think Jesus wants us to because it's what he's known for. And as a disciple, one who's apprenticing our life after him, that's what he longs to see. That's what the psalmist is getting to. You want to become this. And if you choose the right path, it will take you where you want to go. But if you choose a different path, it will take you anywhere but where you really want to go. And so he says, look, you want to become this kind of person. Jesus drew the same distinction at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, kind of his famous sermon he would have given several times. At the very, very end, he tags on this story where he says, those of you who heed my words, you're like that person who builds their house on the rock. But when you don't heed my words, you're like the person who builds your house on the sand. And when the storms of life come and the waves and the waters rise, that house crumbles. But the one on the rock stands. Jesus is saying exactly what the psalmist is saying. It's the principle of the path. It's how we engage with the word of God. And so the invitation becomes, here's the wisdom of what you're to do. You can walk along and get advice from people. You can stand around and get insight and begin to model your life after other people. You can actually take a seat amongst people who are living the world's way and you can live that way. But the psalmist is saying, it's not gonna take you where you think you really want to go. But if you, if me, if you'll learn to meditate on the word of God, and to lean into him, and to chew on this, and to marinate your mind on this, then you will become like the person who's like this tree. And it will be incredible difference. See, he goes on to say at the very end, but not so with those who choose the other path. 
Not so with the wicked, he says. They're like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind, to be condemned at the time of judgment, sinners who have no place among the godly. The Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. It's this wisdom psalm, this contrasting nature that we see throughout. I don't know if you've ever been uh, to Five Guys or you've just had peanuts at the ballpark. Or so when you crack open a peanut, some of you have peanut allergies, and I'm sad for you, but um, you crack open a peanut, and you open it up, take it out of the shell, and it has this little skin kind of thing on it. I don't know if it's the husk, but you pull that apart, and, and what you do in your hand is just, and it blows away, right? Because there's no weight to it. There's nothing to it. That's what the psalmist is saying. If you don't choose the right path, if you don't choose to lean into God's way, at the very end, and you got nothing to show for it. And so the psalmist is saying what Jesus said, what the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, look, you want to be like this tree. You want to be a person who lives this way. The psalmist is mentioning that this idea of wisdom is that we would choose the right path. John the Baptist kind of said it this way about Jesus when he was saying he, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge the threshing floor back to to times we don't understand, uh, of the separation of the wheat and the chaff. He will purge the threshing floor, gather the wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff in unquenchable fire. Those who choose to live apart from God and his people in this life will find that they have no part with God in eternity. But those who stand against Jesus and stand with the ungodly in this life will not be able to stand in the righteous or with the righteous in the end time. There is a moment of reckoning coming, is what the scriptures are saying. And so it takes and it matters what path you choose. It matters. There is no greater wisdom that we see throughout these whole scriptures is what they point to at the crux of what they're about. And it's not about a philosophy, it's about a person, the person of Jesus. And what you say about him, what you think about him, how you interact with him matters. He's the path you want to choose. He's the one you want to look to. At the central truth of all of what the scripture is about is the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ and the pursuit of ordering our lives around him, receiving his grace and walking life with him. See, the scriptures say to keep in step with the spirit. That means I'm not just walking around looking for worldly advice around people who are just living the world's way. I'm gonna keep in step with the spirit, people who are kind of centering their life on God and on his word and kind of looking at how to live life. That's who I want to keep in step with. We're to keep ordering our lives around him, to lean in, to get to know him more, to know his heart and his wisdom for life and for living. That's why it matters that we're inquisitive when we come to the scriptures. We don't read through the scriptures just to get through them. We read to engage to get them through us. This is about leaning in. This is about being childlike. God, what's in here? If if this word is alive and active, then I want to meet you today. As you read through these psalms this summer, say a simple prayer at the beginning. God, would you just help me to see you more clearly? Would you help me to engage and experience you as I read through this? Some of it may not make sense, in your first reading, that's okay. But read it with a a question in mind. Uh, Author um, 
Ralph Smith wrote this, made an observation. Children ask roughly 125 questions per day. How many of you have young children? <laughs> 125 questions per day. Adults ask six. So somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we lost 119 questions per day. He says this, a child's innate curiosity about life is instilled in them at birth from the one who created them and longs to be discovered by them. The more questions we ask, the more we can discover about the world around us, the more questions we can discover around the world around us, the more we begin to discover the one who created us. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to seek to meet God in scripture. See, disciples are called to be lifelong learners. For some of us, you have been walking with Jesus for a long time and you've done well at investing in reading the scriptures. Can I just be really blunt? You are not a know-it-all and neither am I. We are in a dangerous place when we think we've learned it all. Because these words are alive and active. There's a lot we can know and be anchored to, and we should. But that doesn't mean we know it all. And the church needs leaders, you, me, who are willing to continue to be a lifelong learner as we keep in step with the Spirit, we walk through life with Jesus, and we continually want to learn or relearn or to re-anchor ourselves to his truth. One of my favorite prayers, um, kind of the prayer I have for ministry, kind of the calling God gave me to go into ministry, this is the verse that I, I felt like I needed. I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. Not just know more about him, but actually know him better, Ephesians 1.17. That's my prayer for you, that's our prayer for you this summer, is that you engage with these psalms, that you ask to engage God in reading and in meeting him in there, that these words would be alive and active for you. The beauty of the Psalms is at the highest of highs, you'll see Psalms that are about celebration of life and you're gonna see Psalms that are about the depths of sorrow and every emotion in between. And you know what? That's called humanity. We are all in that trek, right? And we all come and go through that. That's the beauty of the psalmist, of what they write, that God can meet you in the moment of every season of life and every emotion of life. And so ask to meet him. God, would you help me to see you more clearly? Would you help me to experience you as I engage in this? For some of you, it's at the very end of the message and you're still thinking, can I even do this? Yes, you can. And you will be blessed. Happy is the person who doesn't just listen to advice of the world or stand around, but they are the ones who meditate on the law of God, on the words of him. You're like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf never withers. God charts the path of the righteous, but the other path leads to destruction. See, when you choose the right path, it'll take you where you wanna go. And when you choose something different, it'll take you anywhere but 
where you really want to go. And so, Father, that's what we pray for. As we get ready to engage in this experience of just kind of reading the Psalms together, God, I pray for each one here that you would kind of stir their heart to want to say yes to this. This is a challenge. It's not easy. But Father, I think you want to meet us in the midst of this journey. You long to whisper and to nudge our hearts in certain ways. You want us to know you, not just know more about you, but actually know you better, to relate with you, connect with you. God, each one of us, I think, longs for that, even if we are deterrent or kind of against it on the outset. Father, would you engage with us? Would you experience, would we experience you more this summer as we engage in these psalms, as we think about the psalmist who is writing here in Psalm 1 of which path to take, which contrast and choice that we have before us? Would you help us to choose wisely? Father, we remember in communion as we take a moment here to to celebrate Jesus. Jesus, you chose a path. And it wasn't a path of making uh, and doing everything your way. It was a path to choose of sacrifice, to give your life for the forgiveness of our sins, the healing of our brokenness, so that through faith in you, we could have life with God. And so as we take communion, we remember that your body was broken, your blood shed, so that we may be made right with God through faith, not because of our works, the good things we try to do, but simply because of the great thing you did. Half. We engage in communion as we sing this final song. I pray that you would stir our hearts afresh and anew. Father, would you help us to grow this summer? We want to be more and more like that tree. Planted, stable, secure, fruitful. A benefit to those around us as we benefit as well.